Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Travel Talks podcast, episode 21. And of course, we have all of the normal formats that are coming up. We've got head to head, a good one, a really, really good one this week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've got another hypothetical question and, of course, our topic of today, which is pretty relevant for uh, the current times, I'd say. It is the future of travel and what that looks like. Yeah, I'm excited. There's going to be so much stuff to dive through to kind of unpick this topic because, of course, like you say, travel has changed so much. It's so different now to what it was in the last year. So I want to pick your brain, Saunders, as someone who knows a lot about sustainability. And I feel like that might be a theme which kind of features in travel in the way we travel in the future. So I'm really looking forward to this, mate. It's such an interesting topic because, like, I can't honestly remember a time in my life or even Mm. in our lifetime, even in our parents' lifetime, where something so normal and so like trivial as travel and in terms of just getting about has been impacted to the degree that it has. Yeah, it's completely different. How do you bounce back from it? Like, what is it going to look like? Is it going to look the same? Is it going to look completely different? Is it just going to be like the same with a few little sprinkles of weirdness (laughs) like like the rest of the life has been? I was in the queue for four and a half hours. Four and a half hours? With, and I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating, about a thousand people from all over the world. Oh my God. How is that safe? I'm going to go for as far as possible and travel and see somewhere which is completely different. And obviously there are benefits to that. But appreciating where you live pretty much all of your life is a much better outlook. This podcast was sponsored by Norwich <laughs> City Council. <laughs> it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. But we're open to it. Norwich City Council game. <laughs> Such a good topic. And that topic is winter versus summer holidays. So I want to start on this because you have travelled recently. So I want to pick your brains on what that process was like. It is an interesting one. Like It's actually the third time since lockdown really let's say the last year that i've got i've flown somewhere for work and interestingly they're all at different points in the pandemic different we know where in the summer in berlin the uk was kind of almost like half back people were in pubs people were having eating at restaurants all that stuff it was kind of like a way more relaxed version than what what we were used to right at the start and so as a result travel wasn't that different but I expected it to be. Mm. I'm thinking I'm getting on a plane. I'm thinking, oh yeah, the airlines have said that they're gonna, there's gonna be definitely gonna be a gap between every seat. Um, it's mm. gonna be a whole new process. Everyone's gonna be super safe. And you get to the airport. Yes, it was a little bit quieter for sure. But mm. once you got on the plane, I was on a completely full flight. 
every single seat filled. Wow, that that absolutely blows my mind because the practices that obviously are put in place when we go shopping, when we do anything at the moment is the two metre rule. And obviously that is going to help restrict the transmission of COVID. But you get on a plane and suddenly that goes out the window and you, you, you've got to ask yourself why that is. Is it simply just for airlines to make as much money as possible to try and fill up the planes? Because maybe it wouldn't be financially viable for them to make the flight if they didn't have a full flight. But it just doesn't make any sense to me that the plane would be fully fully packed. The only rule really that applied was you had to wear a mask all the time unless you were eating or drinking. Mm. And there was a guy like two rows across from me that was like taking an hour to drink a can of Coke. <laughs> yeah, I'm just eating, I'm eating for four hours. Yeah, don't mind <laughs> so, me. <laughs> so it's just like, it, it's all not fit for purpose. But what I have to add now, um, mm. now I've got the con- the context of like extreme situations and flying during a complete lockdown where it is literally illegal not to fly for work or emergency uh, most recently that was super safe and you had to have like a 72 hour test before you got on the plane and you had to prove that you had a a negative test before you'd even get let in to check in Mm. so that's like instantly oh yeah i feel way more safe now because everyone in this airport has had a negative test in the last 72 hours that's fantastic i haven't experienced that in about a year the kind of certainty that the people that surround you are negative from COVID. Whereas at least in that situation, you know that everyone who's got into the airport and everyone on that flight has come back with a negative test. It must give you that kind of peace of mind. But then when we got to, when we got landed in Riyadh, there's a strict protocol over there. So like I was living at the hotel room the whole time, like all my meals were in my hotel room. I had to have a test on the ground as well uh, Mm. before I was allowed to do anything. So I had to quarantine in my hotel room for for almost four days before I was allowed to go and have the local test. And then Formula E are great. So they just put on loads of tests basically every other day until you fly home. So then you're mm. safe and you're only mixing with people from the championship. So now this is where it gets interesting because our flight landed at about 5 p.m. UK time. Mm. So everything up to that point, super safe, super, super safe, super secure, super comfortable. And then you land and you have about three bits of paperwork that the border control needs to, need to, to look at to say, you know, mm. I've, I've been working, this is official, I've been having regular tests, I'm safe, I'm not, I'm, I'm negative, let me back in, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they have five counters open to do that for everyone arriving at Heathrow. Mm. I was in the queue for four and a half hours. Four and a half hours? To, to get through customs. With, and I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating, about a thousand people from all over the world. Oh my God. How is that safe? That is, yeah, the most congested situation you could arguably put yourself in. And the irony is they're doing it to protect you. You have the same sort of semi-certainty that everybody's had a negative test within 72 hours of flying because you can't Mm. get into the country about that. So you feel all right. And I knew that I was having a test a couple of days later and I've actually had two since then and both been fine, but still. That situation surely has to kind of solve itself before people start um, holidaying for leisure. I think when they they allow travel for people outside of work and emergencies, there'll be less restrictions on what you have to show to prove to get a flight. I honestly don't know when the next time I'll travel for leisure will be. Do you do it if you have to quarantine and stuff? Like, obviously, I had to quarantine Mm. when I came back. I've got to mention that. Even with all my exemptions and all my testing, I still had to quarantine uh, in, in the UK at home. The only reason I got to do it at home was because I had the tests every other day while I was out there mm. and I was working completely mm. away from any public. Otherwise, I would have had to do that in a hotel room. And then, then of course, you get charged thousands of pounds for the privilege. It's an added expense. So that just yeah. I'll, I'm going to ask you this question. As someone that hasn't done that yet, if you want to go away and someone says, yeah, you can go away. But when you get back, you've got to, let's just say, let's shorten it. You've got to quarantine at home for five days and you've got to pay 500 quid on tests. 
Do you, do you go away? I, I would go away if it meant I had to quarantine. I, I'm in a bit of a privileged position because I work from home. So I, I, would, I would take a five-day quarantine to go on holiday. I would. The money, I think I'd, it'd be a bugbear if I was try, like, trying to go to like, a city break in Europe and the whole trip managed to cost me about £300, but I had to pay £500 to quarantine and take tests. So that wouldn't quite sit right with me. But at the moment, I think I would do it just because of how much I want to travel again. But yeah, I know many people wouldn't. It's got to be thought about. You can't ignore it. And I also would like to say at this point, <laughs> Kirk disclosure, um, that we obviously want people to be looking forward to traveling again. Like this isn't yeah. a, a conversation that's meant to make people, you know, dread the idea of it. Because as we go forward, I think we will go into a more relaxed, like travel as we know it scenario sooner than perhaps we think. But you, I guess the question still lies. Things will be different to a degree. Are you happy to accept that? Are you happy to maybe accept that it might cost more or there might be less less flight options to get there or they might mm. run the risk of getting stuck somewhere? These are all things you've got to think about now. It's, it's, I find it fascinating, if I'm honest. I'm excited because we're now going to speculate as well. Let's, let's talk about the ways we think travel is going to change in the future. So we've just spoken about what travel is actually like at the moment in the pandemic, but we want to kind of make it a bit more positive now. Let's talk about the ways that travel is going to change and hopefully it's going to change for the better. Saunders, do you want to put an idea forward for the way that you think travel is going to improve in the future? I think travel could improve or be different in a way by actually, I don't know how to word this, not travelling. Okay, go on. You're going to have to explain this. Looking more close to home. Mm, yeah. Like okay. the, the idea of like, you know, looking at local places you can go, exploring your own country or places you can drive to, you know, say like for us in the UK, you've got mm. Scotland, which I don't need to... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. We'll come to that. Scotland like tattooed across my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> in every podcast you've done for this show, you've mentioned Scotland glowingly. Um, yeah, like Wales, Scotland even the ferry across to Ireland, Northern Ireland, that sort of thing. Yep. You've got these options to look at now and they do kind of take away some of the risks that might be, you know, assigned with long haul travel or any annoyances that might come with, you know, the future of, like, like we said before, like COVID testing or whatever like that. It just gives you yep. an option, doesn't it? To get away still, get some nature, get some mountains or some cool cities and without actually needing yeah. to get on a plane. Yeah, we definitely overlook the beauty that surrounds us naturally, um, locally, because the like the places, like you said, that we've got surrounding us. I think the most positive aspect of that is that you, you think more positively about where you live because it's easy to kind of think, I'm going to go for as far as possible and travel and see somewhere which is completely different. And obviously there are benefits to that and it kind of takes you outside of the world that you live in. But appreciating where you live pretty much all of your life is a much better outlook because if you come away from, for example, I went to Wales last year and I definitely came away from that and was like, I, you know what, I could, I could do a staycation and I get just as much happiness and enjoyment off of doing that. And I come away and go, that was two hours away in a car. I could get back to that if I want to, if I want to just got a day off, I could go and drive to Wales. That kind of outlook on how naturally beautiful our country is definitely puts you in a more positive mindset, I would say. You can do more of it. You know, you haven't got to wait for mm. those two, three times a year where you've got enough holiday to go on a big long haul destination. You can go and do that, you know, every other weekend if you really wanted to. Yeah. There is like the ethical side of it as well, which is interesting because as like tourism economies come back to life, it's great for us to go traveling around the UK and putting some money back into the hospitality mm. sector so, so that it can prosper. And, you know, and there's still, I mean, I don't think you'll meet, I think it'd be very hard to meet someone like, in this country who says like, yeah, I've seen all of it, mate. <laughs> yeah. like, of course you haven't. Yeah. 
course yeah. you haven't. I, I'm looking forward to going back to places, let alone places I haven't gone. Let's talk about recommendations now, because people will be looking to book holidays and probably looking to book holidays inside the UK when they can. Where would you recommend someone to go uh, this summer? Shock. <laughs> Scotland. No, don't say it. <laughs> I didn't even expect it. In my eyes, Norwich is horrendously underrated. Yeah, okay. Nice. I, I went to university there, so I've got a you know, got a stake in it. But I love Norwich. It's Norfolk in general actually is such a cool place. I was putting Norfolk forward for a family holiday that we went on last year. Um actually no, we didn't go on it in the end because we were gonna go in November. Shock, lockdown. But anyway, <laughs> I was putting Norfolk forward for a uh, destination and I was getting shouted down. Everyone was like, let's go to Cornwall. Let's go to Cornwall. Cornwall's so much better. And I was like, no, Norfolk looks amazing. Norfolk's great. Yeah. There's some beautiful beaches and, and like in Norfolk. There's some amazing, like just lush Greenland. Um, there's mm. the broads as well, which is a really cool system yep. of canals you can get boat trips on. Norwich as a city is really good. Yep. It's, it's the home of Alan Partridge, a personal hero of mine. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's just a good place to go. And, it, and it's pretty cheap as well. This podcast was sponsored by <laughs> Norwich City Council. <laughs> it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. But we're open to it. Norwich City Council game. <laughs> that might be the most Partridge thing that's ever been said on this podcast. And you've had Tom Deacon on. <laughs> Oh, let's move on. I want to talk about slow travel, Saunders. Slow travel. I've been doing more reading up onto it because it's something which excites me. The idea of spending longer in one location rather than constantly jetting around the world, traveling to different locations and kind of ticking them off a map and saying, you know what, I've been there, but have you actually been there? If you had to explain slow travel to someone who didn't know what it was, what would you say? For me, it's very much about the actual flights to get there, like the travel. I, I don't want to like go on loads of long haul flights to go to 10 different places. I would rather go on two long haul flights, one out there, one return and then travel mm. locally and spend more time in a place because, you know, you can go to a place for five days, a week, two weeks, whatever. And you can see a certain amount. But if you say, let's go there for three weeks or let's go there for a month. I know it seems mm. like a lot and it's not possible for a lot of people, but just looking at that as an option, you can see so much more and you can really get like an idea of what that country is about. Not what like a mm. destination is about or a city or even a hotel in some cases. You get an idea of like how people get around the country, you know, how different regions differ from each other. I've done my fair share of like longer travels where, you know, going from like two weeks, three weeks to three months in, in, in mm. one region. They're the ones you have the stories from. I want to say you properly switch off from work if you take a bit longer, because obviously at the moment we're working a lot of us from home, a lot of us really, really hard in whatever sector. We want the chance to switch off from work. And I feel like going on that two day city break, I was a big fan of it in a couple of couple of years ago. I always came back from it and thought I need another holiday. That's the mindset I always came back from it. I was exhausted because I was there for three days. And I said, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Bolting around the city, tearing it up and trying to make sure I ticked off every single landmark that was in the guidebook. And I come back and I'm absolutely exhausted. But I feel like in slow travel, you go away for a couple of weeks, you pick one country or even one city and fully immerse yourself in the culture, meet the people, speak to the locals, explore everything that place has to offer, leave no stone unturned and come back and you've completely, completely ticked the entire place off. It's definitely something that's going to be more prominent in future travel, but also because other areas of the industry have developed in a way that kind of removing people away from the, you know, the all inclusive hotels and things mm. like, you know, Airbnb and rented accommodation in the heart of a city or the heart of a town has, you know, absolutely boomed in the last like five years or so. 
And I think that's because mm. it gives you a sense of what it's like to live in a place. And that's kind of what you want when you mm. travel. You don't want to go and you don't want to go and be a tourist. Do you mm. you want to go and feel like, how does it feel like to live here? You know, I want to put forward traveling off the beaten path next. So it's something which people speak about a lot more nowadays to try and go to places which tourism hasn't really hit yet. I wondered if you could kind of put forward some of the benefits that you know of traveling off, off the beaten path. So for me, the benefits are you don't really get an idea of what a country is like if you just stay on the tourist route. If you go off the beaten path away from the tourist, the tourist routes and like uh, away from like the fixed itineraries, you start seeing what it actually is like. And that's where you meet the interesting people. That's when you start, mm. you know, having the core cool experiences and getting out of your comfort zone. So there is uh, unlimited possibilities and it really does open your eyes to, to what places are really like. And then you, I, I always think you bring that home with you. You bring that, yeah. that learning home with you and you can apply, you know, like go to some, a country that has like a super like slow and tranquil way of life, you know, like, mm. oh yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Oh yeah, whatever, yeah. like sometime in the future. And like you come home and you're like, I don't need to be really stressed out about doing these 10 emails right now. I haven't got to do this, that. You just go, mm. oh, you know what? I, I can wait till tomorrow. It's fine. Nice. And yeah, you know, four days later, you're back at your laptop. You're like, I've <laughs> yeah. got everything to do, but still, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, you don't, I don't think you get that from following an itinerary. I think you can, you can only get that when you challenge yourself to go a little bit off the path. So let's talk about some places which people could go that are a little bit off the beaten path now. I was doing a bit of research into kind of unsung countries and one place which has always stood out to me since watching Race Across the World Series 1 was Central Asia. So Silk Road, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, they look absolutely amazing. It's one place which I really want to go when the whole world's back completely normal. Is there anywhere, Saunders, which you've been eyeing up as somewhere which is not perhaps a typical destination people would go to, but somewhere which you would really like to explore? There are a few countries that I'm really, really intrigued by. Okay, go on. I can't remember if we've talked about this already on the podcast. I don't think we have. We might have done it off. off I think it was an Instagram air. live. Bhutan. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Bhutan, and it's somewhere which I really, really want to go. It's such an interesting place as well. So, for people who don't know about Bhutan, let's kind of reel off some really interesting facts. So, you cannot just go and book a flight to Bhutan. You have to then get assigned a guide who looks after you looks after your hotel bookings, your meals, transports you around the country. It, that in itself is interesting. The USP of, of uh, Bhutan is that they measure their GDP on happiness rather mm. than money, rather than yeah. finance. So like, if you look on paper, they could even come across as a poor country, but everyone that lives there is really happy. And mm. as a result, it's just like, it seems like a really nice place to be. And the reason they do that whole tour, like fixed tour thing, having a fixed person look after you, is they want you to, they want to make sure you're having a great time. Yeah. It's a good thing. Like, it's not a, uh, you know, we're going to control your holiday. It's like, we want to make sure that we can give money to all the right people in the country and keep them, their economy going and keep everyone happy, their own people. And by fixing the tours, they can do that. They can make sure mm. that, you know, little communities are getting the, the trade where they can. But for me, another personal interest for me is that they are a carbon negative country. Yes. And if you don't know what that means, anyone listening, that means that they take more CO2 out of the atmosphere than they put into it, which no other country in the world, apart from a few islands, do that's amazing so for me they just value the right things i think it would just be a really yeah. cool place to go i think that's the most important thing about travel when you actually boil it down to why we travel is ultimately to learn and you could go to bhutan and like you say come back with some different attitudes on life 
like we as Westerners, not so much anymore from, from my own point of view, but in the past, definitely, I've been quite materialistic. I've thought, I need this new phone, I need this new car. And it's the upgrade culture which society hits you with now because you kind of get adverts all the time and they say, you need to buy this, you need to buy this. But ultimately, this pandemic's taught me more than anything, the only thing that really matters is your family your happiness, your friends, all these things which you can't put a price on. And Bhutan has got that nailed. Those are the things which are the most important to this country. And we, as Western society, could definitely learn from that. I wonder if it's those places that you talk up about and you go there and you're like, oh, this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it would be. This was marketed so well. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be great. I'm sure it'd be awesome. Yeah. People listening to this, make sure you go and um, Google more about Bhutan because there's so much more. But there's in particular, there's a monastery which is on a cliff which you need to see because it's just incredible. And we can't obviously show you that over audio. So go and have a look because it's incredible. So Saunders, you're a sustainability advocate. Um, you speak brilliantly about it whenever you do. You have some qualifications in it as well and you advise some companies on how they can be more sustainable. So you're the man to ask, how when we travel in the future, can we travel more sustainably? Uh, first of all, I always have to address the elephant in the room here because like, I, <laughs> I travelled like, a lot. Uh, there was a period of time where I was doing like, you know, almost upwards of 100 flights a year and stuff. So mm. it was like the opposite of sustainable travel because it was my basically full time job to make travel content. But it was it's kind of since then uh, that I realized, you know, the damage that that sort of, those sort of flights do um, mm. and their role in kind of the, the future of sustainable travel. Is let's say you want to go to Europe. There are many different ways to get there you don't have to mm. fly yes mm. flying is the most convenient sometimes which i think uh not not necessarily a good thing but it's, it's the cheapest as well mm. um but i think looking at other places now to give you some context about how it is possible i made like an oath to myself in previous years that i wouldn't do any short-haul flights mm. and uh, i'd look for other ways of getting there getting the train getting buses driving whatever you know um different ways of getting there I use skiing as an example because it's like a pretty common holiday in the win in the winter, mm. right? I thought you meant you were going to ski there. That would take a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, uh, I went skiing um, in a, a place called Leger, which is like about an hour and a half out of Geneva. And I said, you know, I don't want to fly there. So I got the train there. I got the train from mm. King's Cross to Paris and I changed in Paris and I got a train all the way from Paris to Geneva. Now, okay, if you yeah. add add up all of the time it takes to get to an airport, check in, wait for the plane, get on the flight, wait for your luggage, whatever, all that stuff together, there mm. was only about two hours difference. Wow, that's impressive. To, to me, to get the train to Geneva, I would think two days. No, mate, I tell you, I, I'll talk you through it now. Honestly, so. but that, that's probably an indication of what the average consumer looks at not taking a flight and that's yeah. why taking flights is just so popular because it's the only thing that's in my mind essentially when i'm looking to to travel and obviously that's that should change but yeah that that's that's mind-blowing that it would take that quick uh, that that exact trip is an example as well like because it was skiing sometimes that can be a bit of a nightmare if you're traveling with luggage if you're carrying your own skis if you or a snowboard whatever you can pay mm. through the roof to get on the plane there's no travel restrictions with luggage on the train yeah True. Take what you want, right? And so I, it was a train from King's Cross, so it was literally about half an hour, not half an hour from where I live to get to, the, to mm. get to King's Cross, and then it's an hour and a half to Paris. Then the, you change the trains at Paris, and then it was three three and a bit hours to Geneva. That's it. Nice, 
Nice. And then you're, then I'm in, you're in Geneva ready to go and you can get a bus up the mountain, which there's plenty of. It's just a genuine option. And I even looked at like going to Rome and stuff, which is a little bit longer. It's about 14 hours. So that would be significantly mm. longer than a plane. But it's interesting. And you just you factor it in because when you've got a ticket from A to B, you don't have to. It's not like a plane. You get on at A and you get off at B. You can mm. stop as much as you want on the way. That's so true. Yeah. So, yeah, looking at alternatives to flights is a massive thing that everybody can do. In terms of like once you're on the ground, it's staying places that are more local, like local businesses rather than big chain hotels. Okay. Eating at places that are more local and, you know, putting more money into local communities rather than big corporations. That's a really good way of sustainably traveling because you're helping them have a business so they can maintain themselves and sustain themselves, like an essence mm-hmm. of the word. Energy is massive in the sustainability discussion, right? How much energy okay. we use as human beings, because at the moment, a lot of that energy is still created by fossil fuels, which are uh, the, the majority of the problem when it comes to how much CO2 is in our atmosphere and other, other things. Mm. So if you can lessen your amount of energy you use per person, then you're in a good place. Staying in a hotel, tell me, like, I, I, impl- I implore anyone listening to this podcast right now to, to send a message send a message to Instagram, email, whatever, if mm. they change their bed sheets every single day. That's what I was going to say. It's a really simple change, isn't it? I was going to suggest that. It's so, so true. We go away on holiday and suddenly we expect that our bed sheets change every day. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Nobody does it. it. No one does it. And yet, like, because the way they do that and they wash, like, you know, 100 bed sheets at one go in these massive industrial washing machines that use a crap loads of energy. A little simple trick I do when I check in, I just say, I'll let you know if I need my room changed. And they go, mm. cool. Because it's actually easier for them as well. It's easier for them. Yeah. They want, um, you, they want you to say that. So that's a good thing. And then things like bringing your own uh, shampoo and shower gel from like previous hotel stays if you need little bottles or bringing like yeah. soap bars so you don't have to have the plastic at all um, mm. is really helpful. And because if, if you haven't used the things in the room, they won't replace them if they do come into your room. Yeah. Like they'll only replace what you've used and like following the rules about hanging towels up, not getting them washed and stuff like that. You know, there's all these little things which seem like really trivial, but if every, every traveler did them, mm. like let's say every room in one hotel had their sheets washed once per stay, as opposed to once per day, the amount yeah. of energy saved would be unbelievable. It really would. I like that. It's a nice, simple change that we can actually make. I like it. Okay, so it's that time again to get into the next head-to-head. But before we do that, we have to talk about the last one because yeah. we had a conversation. <laughs> we, we had our, our own cases that we were trying to argue. And then we put it to the Travel Talks listeners to, to kind of come up with the answer and say which of us was right, essentially. Yeah. So, of course, it's no surprise, Saunders, you said Scotland. It was, it was a bit controversial. You know, I was thinking it was most underrated. I was thinking most underrated destination. Um, you were thinking most underrated kind of place. So maybe I had an unfair advantage. I said Scotland, you said Sintra. Um, But regardless of that, we both made our cases and then we left it to the Travel Talks listeners to decide. We're going to reveal who won that and some comments. But before we do that, we also put a request out for our first ever email to the yes. Travel Talks podcast at gmail.com. And it's happened. I, I guaranteed a prize. I still don't know what it is, yep. but it, there will be one. <laughs> so Jenny from California says, hey guys, love the show. I'd love to see Scotland with Benny Connolly and Greg Ferguson. I've always wanted to go there and these two would be a real hoot to hang out with. I also wanted to add a late entry into the mix for the overrated category. 
Santa Barbara, California. Everyone talks about it like it's the Riviera of the California coast. We stayed there near the beach and the whole place smelled like urine and feces. Not to mention (laughs) these flocks of noisy birds that sound like smokers' coughs. Plus, the marina is situated at such an odd angle that you can't really see the sunrise or the sunset. That's amazing, and obviously we we implore people to to get involved via that way because you can you can you can spend a bit more time on your message. You can kind of craft yes. it. We like reading them out. We like uh, seeing what people are saying. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for Jenny in California. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's move it back to our head-to-head from the previous week, though. So we spoke about it. It was the most underrated destination uh, you put forward Scotland, I put forward Sintra. It's just some of the comments that were on the post that we put out in the week on Instagram. So Jay Wall said, Scotland all day, certainly top of my list to visit more. Not looking good for me. Uh, <laughs> Football and Feelings said, a country versus a town. I think Saunders has found the loophole here and will walk away with a W. Yeah, we'll come to that later. <laughs> yeah, You've got to put me on a misery because I haven't seen the percentages of the votes. Have you not? Okay. No, so I haven't seen it. It was a, it was a landslide. You got twice as many votes for Scotland as I did for Sintra. So okay. there we go. Okay. It was, so it was a quite a comfortable victory. That's one all then in the, in the challenge when we get onto our next one in a minute. Maybe we should, we should think of like what the end of this is. You know, like the end of the series, let's say whoever has the most wins, uh, mm. the other person has to do a forfeit or something. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I Listeners, like what is the forfeit? Put your suggestions in. Yeah, email us in. What what should the forfeit be? Traveltalkspodcast.gmail.com Right, should we get into our uh, head-to-head for today? Yes, mate, let's do it. Now, it's worth noting that we recorded this head-to-head um, while I was travelling, and it's in a hotel room, and my microphone was not enjoying the hotel room. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit reverby, 
Uh, we've done yeah. what we can with the audio, but uh, yeah, it's not that it's not as uh, clear and perfect as what you're listening to right now. <laughs> it's such a good topic, and that topic is winter versus summer holidays. Let's get into it, mate. I said to you, I was like, which one are you going to back? Because I knew full well that I could not put an argument together for winter holidays. So I was like, we cannot do this unless you fight for winter holidays. And you were, you were more than more than happy to fight for them, weren't you? Absolutely, mate. I'm all about winter holidays. So I'll get into mm. it, the reasons why in a minute as we kick this off. But I think you should go first. Okay, okay, I'll go first. So like I said before, I couldn't have put an argument together for winter holidays because I feel like the, the most important and the most obvious element of this is the weather. I cannot stand cold weather. Like I'll go out on a limb and say that if it's too cold outside and I've got, I've not got my ski gloves on and I'm going for a walk around my local area, I just won't go. My hands will turn into icicles and I can't do it. So I have to, I have to back some of the weather and you cannot, you cannot even put an argument together Saunders, that summer weather is not better than winter weather. It's just, you, you can't, you I, I, can't I will. The sun, all right. So you can't argue that having a longer day to experience more things is better than having a shorter day. Like there's no argument to be had for that. And it kind of links to the UK and not even going away, but kind of waking up in in the winter and you wake up and it's dark and you get home from work and it's dark and it's horrible. And that links to my next point as well in terms of vitamin D, the positive benefits of vitamin D of going away and filling your body with vitamin D from the sun. It makes you a happier person. It makes your brain produce more serotonin, which is essentially the the happiness chemical. So that's that's my major push for summer holidays and why why everyone is just happier in the summer, myself included. Uh, so yeah, that is my main argument. And this is a strange one. I was writing some notes for this and I said, wear less clothes in the summer than the winter, which means that not only are you saving money because you oh, don't have to on. buy as many clothes. Come on, you are, you are clothing your straws now, mate. But also you've got less to pack when you go away. You don't want to have to pack a massive coat. Whereas if you go away in the summer, you've got shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops, away you go, happy days, enjoy the sun. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like that's my argument. There are some elements of your argument that I hadn't considered. <laughs> <Let's just say. laughs> but I, I feel I do feel equipped to counter them because you made it sound like there's no light in the winter. There is. There are some portions <laughs> of the day where there's light. You made it sound like there's no sun. You know, you get a ski, you get a sun a suntan when you go skiing. You put a lot of emphasis on the the lack of light and the the shortness of the days. But what if you're a nightlife yeah. person? You've got a longer night. Ooh. Yeah, it's not a bad okay. argument. It's I'll just put that argument. out there. But on the, to go back from this to the start, the reason it was so easy for me to pick winter here was because one of my absolute favourite things in the world is skiing. Mm. Okay. And and obviously you need the winter to do that. So for me, there is just nothing like winter mountain air. Having snow mm. underfoot as you walk around, the crunch of snow, and you just get this really good, um, like unbelievably kind of uh uncomparable vibe within a ski resort that you don't really get anywhere else it's just sort of like everyone's there everyone has the same you know mindset kind of following off from the skiing thing it probably links to be honest within my own interpretation of this but i just think that snow has a way of bringing things to life bringing destinations to life <laughs> okay. okay all right Go it on. kind of adds, it adds a whole new level of beauty to me to a place that you don't get in, in any other time of the year right it's just like the way that things reflect in the snow the way that things shine and just the idea of like 
everyone just wrapped up having a great time people like throwing snowballs in the street and just like you know that, that whole it's quite a romantic view of snow that leads me quite nicely onto my next point Go and on. i don't think you're prepared for this right just <laughs> fyi okay there are few public holidays in the world that are international mostly okay. regional holidays in the summer there are none within the calendar international calendar that take place in the summer all of mm, them true. take place in the winter New Year's Eve, fireworks night, Christmas. They're all winter things, right? And mm. things like Christmas just brings absolute buckets of happiness with it wherever you, you are. Cannot, you cannot bring Christmas into is, the is argument. It in, is it in the winter? Is it in the winter? <laughs> I'm not sure it's is relevant. It, is it in the winter? <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is in the winter. Thank you. Right, and I'll, I'll elaborate a bit more so it makes it a bit fairer, but... So in the Northern Hemisphere and in the Western world, where most of the, the Christmas celebrating world exists, um, you have a much better chance in the winter of experiencing a holiday like that in a different culture than your own or a different environment than mm -hmm. your own. And one place that always comes to mind when you think about where you want to go do Christmas somewhere else is New York, because the way they mm -hmm. decorate it, you know, the snow, the big Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, all the decorations. When you talk to people who live in New York, or you talk to people who go to New York, in the summer, they complain about how hot it is, how humid mm. it is, the smog, the pollution, how like it just feels uncomfortable to keep, you can't cool yourself down in an apartment block, that sort of thing. Mm. What do they talk about in the winter? Oh my God, it's so beautiful with the snow and the decorations. Same destination, very different verdicts. That does lead me to the idea of, in general, just summer versus winter, because the things they complain about aren't synonymous with New York. They're synonymous with hot climates, humidity, mm. pollution, smog, etc. And I do realise that I'm probably on the minority here in terms of people that argue for winter. And most people, so yeah, I'm, I'm going, I am going quite hard. But I would say that there is another avenue. I mean, you brought up uh, serotonin, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go down the same avenue of. of uh, if it's good for people which is usually exploring places in the winter or let's just say outside of peak summer months it gives you more time to it gives you more room to breathe more time to explore without kind of being within the packed crowds and mm -hmm. i guess what's quite important about that and why people certainly suggest it for sustainable tourism reasons is that it brings business to locals out of season if they rely on a summer like summer traffic to have good uh, to make their economy work and to kind of bring their money in if you're going out of season to a place where most people might go in the summer or they might underrate it for the winter you're bringing that flow of income that they don't usually see in a normal seasonal year so there is that argument that you're helping the local people out and not to mention traveling in the winter is half the price yeah that is yeah that that is a really strong point to be fair because yeah going away in the summer especially in august is something i will never do i will do it i will avoid every single cost to try and avoid going in school holidays but i'm going to incorporate summer as in those those months before school holidays where you can tactically go away and it's still quite affordable and it's just it's just better so why wouldn't you and that's where everyone uses their their holiday don't they they kind of team up and say yeah we're going on a summer holiday it's a thing summer holidays is just a thing that's become culturally understood is that that's the time where you go away that's where you unwind after a really long year and ultimately that's because that's the best time to go away surely it's because of schools it's because <laughs> the, the school the end of the school year and the start of the school year is a six-week gap for some countries in between that i mean i don't know if it started because of the summer i probably did where most people mm. could do summer but i i do appreciate it's a hard argument for me to kind of 
going. But that that's what I've I've put out there. I'm going to just say three other words to counter what you said. The three words: sweat, monsoons, and pockets. 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 In the <laughs> summer, where you can't wear that many layers because you'll be too hot otherwise, you always have to carry a bag around because you've always got to put your water bottle, you've got to put other travel goods. If you've got a coat on, <laughs> you put it in your pocket, mate. I didn't have a clue where you were going when you said pockets. <laughs> you are onto your Z list regions. I can tell no, you are. I'm, I'm standing by monsoon seasons and sweat because, especially in like Asia, in the, if you go in the summer, summer, it's like unbearably mm. hot. You can't go outside. Like, I don't, mm. I don't know if you've ever been to like the Middle East or or mm. uh, Asia in the, the heart of summer. It is just mm. not possible mm. to function. Like <laughs> air conditioning everywhere. Like, um, and also a lot of the, the monsoon seasons are in the summer months in a lot of countries. So even though you get the nice weather, you also get like hours and hours of just kind of ungodly rain. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, you do have to factor that in. But I mean, yeah, they're, they're my arguments. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think you've, you've put forward a really strong argument. You did get a little bit loose near the end. But I, <laughs> I, I, would, <laughs> I would urge people to listen to the podcast before they press vote on Instagram because I'll, I'll back you there, Saunders. If, if people just see the post on Instagram, they're likely to click for summer. But definitely factor in our arguments and make sure you're voting based on our argument because, yeah, to fight your corner, Saunders, I feel like you've done a pretty good job there. Okay, so hypothetical situation time. Before we get into this week's topic, this week's pondering question that we're going to have to try and get to the bottom of, um, let's look at what people said about the last one, which was mm. if you could go anywhere with anyone doing anything, what would it be? What were some of the listeners saying, Alex? Yes, yeah, so we got an email from Josh Hewlett who said, I've always wanted to go to North Korea. So straight away, pretty strange. Uh, he wants to see what it's like uh, for the communism in himself firsthand. He and his girlfriend went to Cuba, and I think it was a quite a mild version of communism nowadays, so not a really a true reflection. So who better to see North Korea with than Kim Jong-un's best mate, the one and only Dennis Rodman? He says, I'd hope to get a bit of behind-the-scenes insight and a bit of gossip, probably the closest you'd get to someone in the know of North Korea. That would be fascinating, and good answer. That's actually a good yeah. answer. It's out of the box. That's what we like to hear. Should we see what our hypothetical for this week is? Let's do it. So the hypothetical for this week is if you could only travel to places which you have been or only travel to places which you've never been. As always, let us know what you think. When, when we first kind of said we were going to do this question, I just sat there for about half an hour just going back in my head of what I'd do. <laughs> I was like... I, every, yeah, it's not an easy answer. Every argument I came up with, I had a counter argument for. Mm. Um, so it's really difficult, but I do think we need to first of all just dig a little deeper and come up with some kind of questions as to the rules around agree. it well what are you thinking so my my first question that i have for you is if i've been to one place within a country am i never allowed to go to that country again so for example let's say if i've been to las vegas i'm never allowed to visit the entire of the us again that seems a little bit harsh because <laughs> there's obviously so much that we explore within the us it does seem harsh just because of the size as well like you can't really if you're doing apples for apples, you can't compare like the US mm. with, you know, Lithuania. Mm. So I think yeah, it completely. should, I think you could say states in the US count as countries. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's a, that's a really good way around it. I didn't know where to start this because if you think about places that you've been to before, whenever you think about 
travel obviously you think about what you've done right you, you think mm-hmm. about those memories those moments you had those experiences uh, so you can that kind of makes you think well i could guarantee myself good more experiences i could guarantee Absolutely. myself yeah, a good you know, trip you know what you're going to get yeah exactly but then again everything you think of going forward with travel isn't what you've done it's what you want to do mm. so if you look at that approach then you'd only go to places that you've never been to because you know you always want to go to somewhere you haven't been because you want to kind of like explore mm. so which which one is more or do you want the safety and security of going somewhere that you know is going to be good or do you want kind of the exploration and the adventure of going to somewhere that you don't know what it's going to be like I, I think I think it answers itself the way you put it like that. Like I believe the reason that we travel, the reason that we love traveling, is to explore, to see new places, to see new cultures. I know I could not give that up and know that I was only going to visit places which I've already been and kind of recreate the experiences which I've already had. And often as well, when you go back and recreate an experience which you you did, you kind of look back on that memory and only remember the positives. And let's say you went back to the same place and tried to recreate the same holiday you had five years ago, you might find that it doesn't live up to the hype and live up to the, the way you kind of remembered it in your mind. So I know that I would only visit places which I've never been. And that is tough. That is really, really tough to kind of rule out every single place that I've ever been. And yeah, especially if you go country by country and actually think about some of the places which you'll never be able to visit again. I couldn't rule out the idea of visiting new places. I think ultimately I'm, I'm with mm. you there, but it's really tricky because I think we're at, we're at potentially different stages of our kind of like traveling. And mm. for me to go to a different place every time I travel now would be very expensive. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it's definitely worth touching on because you, you've traveled to 53 countries, is it, Saunders? Yes. I still, I think, you know what, even considering that, I think I still go with only visit places that I've never been to. Because mm. I just have yeah. that thirst still. I start, even though I've ticked of off course, that 50 yeah. list, I still have the thirst. I wanted to ask you, Saunders, as well. Obviously, we've both made the decision that we're going to only visit places which we've never been you've visited 53 countries that leaves 142 left <laughs> i believe if my math is correct is that right i can yeah, tell I you so. because i've got an app right where i take off my countries and it gives you a percentage what's the app called people called, will be interested it's called bean b-e-e-n okay nice. and it's basically like i'm showing you now they can't see this but it's a map nice and on the map it's marked in orange the places you go and there's percentages assigned to it so for example i've done 21 percent of the world 40, wow. 47% of Europe, 29% of Asia, uh, 10% of North America, 28% of South America, 3% of Oceania, 5% of Africa, and 0% of Antarctica. I just realized something that we haven't taken into account here. Doing the job that I do would make me, it would make it very hard for me to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say something we've perhaps missed out is that, does this suddenly mean we need to live in a different country? Oh yeah. I think if we go too deep into the questions, then it would just make it impossible. So we've both gone for only going to places that we've never been, which mm. I think we've got our arguments in place there. But I am almost certain that there are going to be people on the other side of the argument that will have mm. some, you know, strong arguments of things that we possibly haven't even thought about. So mm. we need people to let us know, don't we? Yeah. So I'll put out an Instagram post on the date that this goes out. Get involved in the comments. We'll, we'll read some of your comments out on next uh, week's show in two weeks' time, actually. But if you want to kind of go and delve deeper into it, send us an email at tra- travelTalkspodcast at gmail.com. We'll read out your email and, yeah, you can get involved in the show in a, a little bit more of an extended way. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Alex, tell us what is coming up next week. 
Yeah, so next week um, I did an interview with Andy Castell, who's known as AJ3 on YouTube. He's a predominantly FIFA YouTuber, does Facebook streams as well, playing all sorts of games, has built up an absolutely massive audience of, I believe, almost 2 million subscribers on YouTube. And we kind of delve deeper into his love of traveling, talk about why he loves skiing. So you, you'll relate to that, Saunders. Um, but also we kind of go a bit deeper and find out what he learned from his trip visiting Uganda and how that has kind of changed his outlook on life as a whole. And it's an interesting interview and should provide a lot of entertainment, not only for people who know Andy and are fans of his work, but also people who don't know him because we cover so many different ranges of topics in the interview. There should really be something for everyone. I've been lucky enough to meet Andy a few times, actually. Uh, he's a really nice guy. I've got some really good stories. So, And I haven't actually heard this podcast yeah so i'm looking forward to, to hearing his travel stories yeah it's very good and hopefully you should bring in a massive influx of new listeners fingers crossed and that kind of leads us on to the fact that if you haven't yet subscribed if you haven't left a five-star review then it really would mean a lot, lot to us both if you could go to apple podcasts or spotify anywhere wherever you got your podcast click subscribe you can either just click five star or you can click and write a review as well so yeah please please do get involved and we'll be very very grateful Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 